0: Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Don Austin, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Tonight I'm wearing glasses and, you know, Mama Myrna's sitting right there. I can't hardly see anything about her right now. That's uh, how thick these things are. But what I see with my natural eyes or with the lens doesn't change what's what's there. But when I put the lens on it, it corrects my vision, it corrects, it gives me the ability to see what was there the whole time. You have victory in front of you the whole time. The blessing of the Lord is upon you the whole time. It says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That is a reality. But the enemy robs us in perception the enemy makes us think that we're no good. The enemy makes us think, uh, uh, plants thoughts in our minds and nobody cares. There's no way out. There's no hope. I'm stuck. I'm never going to achieve, never going to become. And God is saying, no, 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 that's all past tense. You already have achieved. You already have become. You already have the victory. You fight from victory, not for victory. God's already put those things in our rearview mirror. And now we live out from that. We live out from the righteousness that we already are, and that's called holiness. Holiness is the application of the righteousness that you already are. That's the difference. And so I'm not trying to live a holy life to impress God. I'm not trying to live a holy life or get things right or get things in order because all of a sudden he'll be pleased. He has been pleased the the, the moment I came into his kingdom. He's pleased with me. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom, the Bible says. But now we've got to live that out and we've got to walk that out. And so songs like this that remind us of our identity, you are chosen, not forsaken. Come on, anybody glad to be chosen in the house? You've been chosen by the king himself. He handpicked you. It's different when you have a child born into your family. You're stuck with that. But when you go and adopt a child, you handpick, you chose and said, I want that one for heirs to the kingdom of God. Go with me to Mark chapter six, if you will. I want to continue in a vein that we began last week and we began a discussion of honor. Talking about honor and um, I'm going to go a little more in depth, but the story that we're pulling from here in Mark chapter six, Jesus returns to his own hometown. He returns back to Nazareth. And um, the 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 story goes that he shows up uh, in his town. We'll just start reading here in verse one instead of paraphrasing. Let's just read what's there. It won't hurt us to read it again. Then he went out from there and came to his own country. Everyone say his own country, came to his own country and his disciples followed him. Now, his disciples, you know, are his disciples. These guys came into his life at the beginning of his ministry. Helped him jumpstart, kickstart his ministry. So, you know, these guys don't know his past. They don't know where he came from. They don't know uh, all the, the ins and outs. And you're thinking, well, Jesus didn't have a past. He was sin free. Oh, he had a past. We saw last week he came from a family that was messed up. And in a town like Nazareth, with only about 150 residents, everybody knows your business. Anybody from a town like that? I don't know if you would consider, look at those hands, that's me, I'm from Nazareth, everybody knows my business, yeah, everybody knows his business, knows that his mom supposedly got pregnant by the Holy Spirit, ran off with the person that she was already engaged to marry, right, This this is real life now. He didn't come into this controversy-free environment. He didn't have to sin. He already had junk in his life set up that way. And so this is the thing that we're discovering is that, that honor is, is how we look past the junk. That's what honor does. You know, I heard someone say this week, he said, it's impossible to join a team or get close to anybody without recognizing and seeing flaws. It's impossible. It's impossible to marry someone without seeing their flaws. You marry them for all the good stuff, but the second you get married, all the bad stuff shows up. They don't know how to put the toothpaste cap back on. And every time we went on a date, you had laundry done. Apparently, you only did one item at a time because I don't know what's going on here. There's piles of it. Didn't realize you were so dirty. Didn't realize. And that, that's what we recognize is that many times the things that uh, uh, amaze us from afar annoy us when we get close. It says here as, as they go on uh, uh, that disciples followed him. And when Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this? which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands. So they're not denying the actions. They're not denying the performance. They're not denying the miracles. And that's the thing is they will get close to you and they'll say, wait a minute. How is it that you are the same person that heard all those great words? And how is it that you are the ones that can perform these mighty signs? Because from far away, you look like some great thing up on a pedestal. But now we find out you're just like us. Jesus? Jesus from Nazareth? And we saw last week that the reason why they had such a struggle with that is that they didn't have a good viewpoint of themselves. And it's impossible to honor others when you don't honor yourself. That's why the commandment says, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't love yourself, if you don't value yourself, you're going to have a hard time placing value on others. And many people have a lack of honor for others because they already have their own insecurities and their own struggles and their own uh, challenges in their life. And they can't see past theirs, so they can't see past yours. And from far away, you look like something great. But then they become very disappointed. When they get close. Jesus. Nothing can good. Nothing good can come from Nazareth. That's what Nathaniel said. That was the reputation that Nazareth had. See, Jesus already had a reputation. He's from Nazareth. Nothing good can come from Nazareth. See, you're, we, we have to learn to live beyond reputations, and we have to learn to live beyond what other people think. We have to learn to live beyond the, 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 the cares of others. When we live to please people, when we live to satisfy people, we don't get very far at all. That's a dangerous way to live at the validation of others and at the the and I'm talking the people that are closest to you. These were the ones closest to Jesus. If anybody should have been in his quarter, if anybody should have been supportive, if anybody should have been given tithing offerings to his ministry, it should have been the ones that he knew from growing up, that that knew who he was and and, and had a relationship. But Jesus found uh, uh, that the, the people that he was closest to were the ones that were technically furthest away from him. The ones that that really had his support were the ones that experienced real life change, were were the ones that came into this. All they've known is the Jesus that came up out of the the Jordan River and and this booming voice comes over. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Right. That's all they knew. They didn't know the Jesus that put together beds and, 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 and chairs and tables. They didn't know the Jesus that came from a broken family system. They, they didn't know that Jesus. It came from just some little old town that wouldn't even have been worth mentioning, mentioning had Jesus not been from there. And so this proximity thing, uh, it, it, uh, it begins to allow for familiarity, and familiarity always damages honor. Familiarity damages honor. And so I know that that, you know, immediately strikes a fear in us of ever getting close to anybody. I tell our leadership that you run the greatest risk of becoming familiar with me because you hear me the most and you see me the most and you see me up close. I remember when I moved to St. Augustine, Florida, a 21 year old kid from uh, uh, Fort Worth, Texas, drove halfway across the country to move to, to, you know, get started with with ministry and help out Pastor Earl. And I lived in his house for 15 months, lived in his house and he wasn't always on his hands and knees praying. And he didn't watch TBN all day long. And he wasn't at the dinner table always reading the Bible. And, and you know, these perceptions that you have of pastors, he spent a lot of time in the Holy of Holies. And, and he, he had a high standard for that. But, but he hung out with his family. And he spanked his kids. And he raised his voice. Adam, I got to see the real Earl Glisten real quick. Probably sooner than I should. And I see, see honor is a result of maturity. Honor is a result of maturity. Children don't honor unless you teach them to honor. But they don't honor their toys and they don't honor. You know, I can say, what are you doing throwing that thing around? I spent three hundred dollars on that Nintendo switch. But he's like. What's three hundred dollars he has no value? Right? That's what honor is. Honor is value. So it has to be ingrained. And so honor comes as a result of maturity. Immature people can't honor. It's immature people that can't honor. Because you've got to be mature to recognize. And, and this, is, this is what we're going to get in tonight. That we honor regardless of what we see. Regardless of what we see. Because here we have Jesus... What wisdom is this which is given to him? Is this not the carpenter's son? Immediately they go to his vessel. Immediately they highlight what they see on the outside. They, they, they start talking about... See, they, they never knew him as the son of God. They only knew him as the son of man. So now to make that, make that switch... I mean, I saw him in his diapers. I I saw him playing with his brothers and sisters. We used to hang out together. Uh, You know, we used to eat lunch and go to recess together. I mean, this is the type of stuff we're talking about. Is this not Jesus, the carpenter? The son of Mary, brothers of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon are not his sisters here with us. I mean, they're trying to make this as relatable as I mean, they're just, you know, overflowing with familiarity in this in this passage. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without what? Honor. He didn't say carpenter. He said prophet. He was speaking to what he had become, not to what he had been. And people from our past many times and the ones closest to us want to keep us as we were. And can't help progress us to what we should become. And this is this happens for everybody. There's nobody that is excluded uh, that you will not have people walk away from you. You you seek out the, the things of God and you go after his purpose and his calling. And this will happen. I'm I'm promising you that if it happened to Jesus, who are we to think it wouldn't happen to us? Prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives and in his own house. That's the people that are the closest to me. That's the ones that know my ins and outs. That's the ones, and, and, and married couples in here, you are the ones that run the greatest risk of lacking honor to your spouse. Because you're the closest. You know everything. But we're going to fix that tonight. And not just married couples. I'm not, this isn't a marriage seminar. But that that is the closest relationship, the most intimate relationship. But but intimacy also allows for vulnerability. You cannot be intimate without being vulnerable. And intimacy, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking physical. Physical contact is not intimacy. There are people that do that every weekend and they don't know their name. They don't know where they live. They don't know anything else about them. Intimacy is knowledge. You become intimate when you share things that no one else knows. That's intimacy not talking about physical contact. not even talking about proximity. Now, he could do no mighty work there. And this is what we're going to talk about today. He could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. That's the first time, the only time you'll read that about Jesus's ministry. This is the only account. The only account where Jesus had his hands tied behind his back when it came to ministering to people. The only time, the only time that you will read that he didn't go about all the towns and all the villages healing all that were uh, sick, all that were diseased, uh, uh, setting free captives. This is the only time that you will find that he could not do the work of ministry that he performed in every other account. I just wonder, is there a connection between their lack of honor and his lack of miracles? Was he having an off day? Was he having a bad day that I, I don't know? It's just not working today. I, you know, that's not not didn't eat my Wheaties this morning. I mean, what 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 was it that caused Jesus? To all of a sudden be limited in his ministry. And he marveled because of their what? Unbelief. Unbelief. And he went about the villages in a circuit. Teaching. Because when there's unbelief, you teach to build faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he recognized, okay, we've got an unbelief issue. I've got to teach. I've got to start explaining some things. I've got to start sharing some things. I've got to build their faith. They don't know what I'm capable of. They don't recognize what we can do, what, what this ministry is all about. They don't understand. Uh, uh, and, and apparently they were sick because you can't lay hands on just a few sick people if There's only a few sick people. So apparently there was the multitudes just like before, the issues just like before, people that that needed his presence and needed his touch and needed the miracles performed in their lives, and he could not do it. And the reasoning is because of a lack of honor. Go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Uh, we, we talk about it quite a bit. Jesus was obsessed with the kingdom of God. That was his obsession. That's all he talked about, that he came to earth not to introduce a religion. Uh, he didn't come to earth to introduce Christianity. You can't even find Christianity mentioned in the Bible until you get to Acts chapter 11. And, and Christianity wasn't a name that they gave themselves. It was the name that was given to them. We don't have that anymore. We have people that call themselves Christians, but... That, that could be questionable, but, but these men were so radical and so bold uh, in their faith and what they were doing. They looked like Jesus Christ, therefore they became a Christian. Up until then, they were either called brethren or believers. So Jesus didn't come to introduce Christianity. I'm not saying that he's upset with Christianity. I'm just saying that wasn't the purpose for which he came. He came to reintroduce the kingdom. He came to bring the kingdom back in a restored position that had been lost in Genesis chapter 1. When you restore something, you place it back exactly as it was previously. Y'all have seen me do this example many times. If I have this Bible sitting on this podium and it falls off the podium and lands on the ground and I take the Bible and place it on this chair, have I restored the Bible? No, because to restore it, I'd have to put it back where it was. So for Jesus to come down across and give us uh, uh take us to heaven, become the 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 priority for his ministry, then he wouldn't be restoring us because we weren't in heaven. Adam and Eve were on the earth in a garden with dominion and with authority. And so now Jesus came back to restore the kingdom and the dominion and the authority back to you and I. So I won't go to heaven. No, you'll go to heaven. Slow down. You will go to heaven. But that's not the purpose. Religion takes man out of the earth. The kingdom brings dominion back to man in the earth. That's the difference. I'm thankful there's a heaven that I can go to. I don't have to burn in hell. I'm thankful that I can be with the Lord eternally. I'm thankful for all the promises and provisions that, that, that are ex- exclaimed in the book of Revelation. I'm, I'm thankful for those things, but I'm also thankful that I've been given my rights, my privileges, my benefits, the blessings, the, the, the authority and the dominion to exercise on this earth. And I am, again, seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I'm made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is who I am. He's for me, not against me. I'm chosen, not forsaken. That is who I am. And that was the purpose for which he came. So Jesus came with this obsession for the kingdom. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, I got to turn back there because I use my Bible for a prop. So let me get there. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. He's explaining the kingdom. He's explaining the kingdom to us in a earthly sense and in a relatable sense so that we can grab a hold of how the kingdom operates. And in this parable, he says that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found. It doesn't say he found and kept the treasure. He found and hid the treasure. And for joy over it, over what? The treasure. He goes and he sells all that he has and buys that treasure. Is that what it says? He goes and he sells all that he has and buys the what? The field. Why would he buy the field just to get the treasure? This is honor. This is honor. And this is how honor works. And, 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 and see, kingdoms and nations have cultures. And culture is what is normal. Every single one of you, when you leave today and you turn out onto the St. Augustine Road, whether you go left or whether you go right, you're going to get in the right hand lane. Every single one of you. Not one person is going to have a compulsion to get into the left hand lane and go in the direction that they're going. Why? Because it's our culture. See, culture is just what you do without even thinking about it. Culture, when something becomes a culture, culture is just a way of living. And so he's talking about the culture of the kingdom. If you lived in England, it would be our culture to go into get into the right-hand lane. But you do that in England, and you're going to have a bad day. You're going to have a problem. Why? Because their culture Is different. But none of them over there have to think, okay, when I go out, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get in the left hand lane. And when you leave here today, you don't have to stop and think about it. You've done it enough. If you have to stop and think about it, please get a designated driver because I don't want to run into you going in the right lane. It's culture. I don't even have to think about it. But here's the other thing about culture culture sets my expectation. Culture sets my expectation, therefore I won't be disappointed with the results. When you know the culture of something, then you can't be disappointed. Because that's the culture, that is how it operates. So he's identifying the culture of the kingdom. What is normal in the kingdom of God? And he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like a man that finds a treasure, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, and a man found it, but then he went and he hid the treasure again. And when he hid the treasure, he went out and bought the entire field. See, honor is not a part of the American culture, it is not automatic in America. I can't speak for other countries. But in America, we have a culture of dishonor. That's the automatic knee-jerk reaction is to dishonor, disrespect. That's what we do in America. But we, as well as being American citizens in this room tonight, are kingdom citizens. And so we need to learn the culture of the kingdom. And in the kingdom... You don't just go after the treasure and take the treasure and leave the field behind. In America, you do. In America, I can get the stuff that I want and I can leave out the stuff that I don't want. And then when I'm displeased with it, leave it, abandon it and go find another treasure. That's what we do in America. We abandon everything. We abandon. You know, all, all, I'm just not even going to get into it. We we abandon. There's a there is a culture of dishonor where we pick apart the stuff that we don't like. But you you don't even honor until you are introduced to stuff that you don't like. Yeah. You don't even you don't even honor until you're introduced until you have an opportunity to disobey to disagree. Until the opportunity comes to dishonor. I had, I had people when, when President Obama was in office, I had people that would try to get me to speak out against President Obama. And you never get me to do it. Because there's no way I'm going to break the culture of the kingdom and dishonor just because something may not seem honorable. Because I recognize that the treasure is hidden in the field. And here's the thing, you don't get the treasure without the field. Not in the kingdom of God. Not in the kingdom of God. It's an all-inclusive package. Like I said last week, I get the beauty of my wife, and then I get the two hours that it takes for her to do what she does. But you honor it. In the kingdom of God, honor is normal. It's the automatic response. That's a retraining for our American thinking. That's, that's, that's a, that is a, a reintroduction. That's a renewing of the mind, isn't it? I got to renew my mind to look at something that may even be dishonorable. A spouse that may be dishonorable, a boss that may be dishonorable, a a, a president that may seem dishonorable. But I choose to honor because this is the thing about honor. Honor is not tied to person. Honor is tied to position. Period. That's the kingdom of God. I don't honor someone because of the person they are. I honor the person because of the position that is honorable. And I may disagree, but it doesn't mean I have to disrespect. You know, there's a way to do that. You know, Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, you know that they disagreed with their king, but they never disrespected. And they even disobeyed the command that he gave, but they never disrespected the king. There is an absolute difference. And the lines have been blurred in our American culture. And we have lost the ability to disagree and respectfully disagree without cutting someone down and calling them out and highlighting all their faults and failures. But honor comes with the position, not the person. And you may even have and those kings that those people I mean, Paul went before some some very high people. One of them even said, Paul, you've almost persuaded me. I wonder if we could almost persuade a dishonorable person to become a Christian. Would our response and our actions and our our position toward them warrant their life change that we know they need? But many times we turn off their ability to respond by how we act towards them because they are, are they're not an honorable person. It is it's a hard thing to give honor to people that are dishonorable. That is a difficult thing. Sure, it is. When people have failed you. When, when people uh, have broken promises, when, when people have broken commitments, when people have abandoned responsibilities to you, uh, or, or, or when people just act downright wrong, disrespectful. Uh, and, 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 and this is the thing in the kingdom of God. You respect people when they're disrespectful to you and you give honor to people that that are dishonorable to you. You don't you don't do eye for an eye. In the kingdom of God. Man, it's quiet in here. This is reality. How we honor because the treasure is in the field and you have to get the dirt, right? Everyone's got dirt. And it's not until you're willing to dig past the dirt that you get the treasure. You got to dig past the dirt. And the more you dig, the more it's worth it. We said that last week, that value is is discovered in the search for the thing, the effort I'm willing to put in. And and, and this is what's so cool is when you will honor people, even if they're dishonorable, you will get the good stuff out of them. That's see honor equals access in the kingdom of God. Honor is how you get access to the stuff that you want, but you got to dig past the stuff you don't want. And you got to, you, you, you got to push certain things aside that, that they don't make you, ha- don't, they don't make you happy and, and they're not meeting your needs and, and they've broken certain promises and commitments and responsibilities, but you're still digging. And the digging is what gets the good out of them. It's by honor. It's by honor. And every single person in this room has someone in their life worthy of your honor. Every one of you. If it's not a spouse, it's a boss. If it's not a boss, it's a pastor. If it's not a pastor, it's a child. If it's not a child, it's a friend. Everybody, we, nobody on this planet is in a position where they have nobody to give honor to. Because if I can't give honor, I can't receive blessing. Honor is the access code. Honor is, is how I get access to the treasure that is inside of you. And so when you dishonor, what you're doing is you are locking up the very treasure that is within them for you. That's what happens when we dishonor. The issue is, is that as, as we get closer to the treasure, the more dirt that we see. And it's usually it 's usually these flaws and these faults and these failures that, that keep us in a position where it's difficult to honor who the person is and the position that they 're in. It's the flaws it's the dirt. Or maybe it's what CNN says, or maybe it's what Fox News says, or maybe it's what, what NBC says. Look, we all, and that's the thing, is we, we live in a world that highlights dirt. We, we dig up people's dirt and we make a big pile of it and we worship it. And, and we, we, that's all we talk about is all the mess. And that's all we talk about is all the stuff that's broken. And that's all the stuff that we focus on. And you've got to learn to change your focus. As you're digging, you've got to remember there's a reason why I'm digging. And I'm moving this dirt out of the way so I can get to the treasure inside. But when we highlight dirt, you'll never get the treasure. Never get the treasure. And I would say this too for everyone in this room. Don't give away the treasure to people that don't want the dirt. Stop giving away all the good stuff that people that won't handle the dirt. You're giving away the treasure and they haven't even proven that they're willing to handle one piece of dirt. Man, that's so dangerous. That is so dangerous that we, we, we give people stuff that they haven't even proven the value. And, and, and when you get a hold of something that you haven't worked for, it's like my son with a $300 game device. He didn't work for it. He just simply existed. That's why people don't really value the love of God, because you can't work for it. You know, all you have to do for God to love you is exist. For God so loved the world. You can't do anything to get his love and you can't do anything for him not to love you. So. People don't value it. You have to remind yourself of the value of the love of God. And you've got to remind yourself that you didn't deserve it. And you've got to remind yourself that, that, that he bestowed that on me before I ever proved that I would return the love back to him. And, and this is the thing. If you want to really value the love of God, you have to love him back. If you want to value the love of your spouse, you've got to love them back. Because many times we are asking of others what we are not willing to return. we're asking of we're asking of others what we're not willing to invest ourselves we are asking for fruit off of a tree from seeds that we've never planted you're not planting seeds of love in your spouse and you're wondering why you're not getting love to pick off of that tree you're not you're not planting a seed of honor and wonder why nobody honors you because and, and, and this is this is how the culture of the kingdom works. This is how honor works. It's not by keeping and taking that you get. It's by giving that you get. What you give is what you receive. It's backwards. The world says, take honor. Take trust. Demand it. That's what the world says. But the kingdom says, you want trust, give trust. You want love, give love. You want honor? Give honor. You want blessing? Give blessing. Be a blessing. That's how the kingdom of God works. And, and kingdom of God, it, it has principles. Uh, uh, earlier, or o- over three more chapters in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus tells Peter that I'm going to give the keys of the kingdom to, of heaven to the church. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose is on, on earth is loose. Those keys work if you apply them. But if we do not apply the key, if we do not apply the principle to the kingdom of God, it doesn't work. And the principle is the principle. It's like gravity. You throw it up, it's coming down. But if you don't apply it, you're not going to be able to reap from it. And this is, a, this is the key. The, the code of honor, the key of honor gives us access to the, to the treasure. But, but we're not living up To the honor that the Bible demands that we live by as believers. We have to step up our honor game. We have to step up our honor of each other. Our honor of our president. Our honor of people in certain positions. We have to step up our honor on social media. We allow so much dishonor and disrespect. And you know what's really the sad thing? is that's where all the young people camp out. And that's all they're seeing. Culture is is learned. What is the culture that our young people are learning? What is the culture that that our elementary students are learning? A culture of disrespect where husbands and wives don't treat each other with respect. And then we have uh, men grow up that are eventually going to be husbands. What kind of husband will they be because they didn't have that mirrored in their home? They're not going to automatically just figure out, I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loved the church. They're not going to, they need a display. It's, it's so it's so dangerous to, to not display and model to people beyond us that are watching us. And, you know, we talk a lot about millennials and their lack of dishonor. They talk about millennials and their lack, you know, their disrespect towards certain things. And, and I have to wonder, where did they learn that from? I have to wonder what was displayed and, and modeled before them. This is important. It's time that we invade the earth with kingdom culture. It's time that we, we quit conforming to the world and we become transformed in our lives by the renewing of our minds. Renew your mind to what honor does. And, 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 and this is the thing, man, honor always pays out. Honor always gives you access. Honor will never fail you. If you will honor even the dishonorable, if you will remain steadfast in a position of what the word of God says. And I mean, the Bible tells us how to honor our husbands and our wives. The Bible tells us how to honor people in authority. The Bible tells us how to honor our children. It doesn't say honor your parents. Because parenting is only a season. Or should be. But it says honor your father and your mother. They'll always be your father and your mother. They may not always be your parent. But they'll always be your father and mother. It says to honor your father. And it has a promise to it. You know the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments? All of them about honor. Six of them are about honoring God. And the last four are about honoring each other. It's all about honor. It's all about placing value. And honor is not just lip service. Isn't that what Jesus said? These people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I don't want there to be a disconnect between my words and my actions. I don't want there to be a disconnect between what I say and what I believe. I don't want there to be a, I don't want to just give lip service. Oh, I honor you. I appreciate you. I thank you. Uh, I I believe in you. I want it to be reality from my heart. From my heart. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you will be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially and support your ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.